This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? We're going to do this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by, after a very, very, very long time, Forrest Walker. How you doing, my friend? Uh, pretty good. Since last time we talked, I uh, had two kids, sent them both to college. They're getting married now, and I have their weddings coming up. Well, congratulations, uh, for first <laughs> yeah. and foremost. Um, so, no, really, what, you, what, what have you been doing without with all this downtime since there's there's no basketball? Fifty days away from no the season. basketball. Yeah, no, no basketball. basketball. Yeah, I've been watching WNBA. That's basketball. Oh, you're right. You're right. Forgive me. It's very hard for me to get into the WNBA, but I do admire that there are a lot of people that are into it. How has that been? How has it been for the WNBA this season? Uh, as a Seattle Storm fan, it's been pretty uh mediocre i guess their two best players including league mvp brianna stewart uh, have been out and it's uh the the current reigning champions are almost certainly not going to continue reigning so that kind of stinks but they've been doing pretty well for themselves despite the fact that they've been missing their two best players so they're they got the sixth seed which means that they have to play into the tournament effectively but uh that should be fun hopefully they'll do pretty well for themselves but it is what it is how many teams are there uh, there are 12 teams in WNBA. Eight of them go to the playoffs and four do not. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So if you're a bottom two seed, you have to play in. If if you're uh, if if you're sick, if you're five through eight, you have to play in basically. Okay. okay. And the top four to get some buys. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Man, it really sucks that Houston doesn't have a team. Um, it really. It, it does. I feel like I'd be more into it if Houston had a team. I, I, I feel like it'd be, it'd be much easier to keep up, as it naturally is when you have a team to keep up with. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the Rockets. Uh, before we get into Eric Gordon and Nay, how did you feel about Houston's offseason up until that point? Uh, a real roller coaster ride of emotions and confusion, I have to say. Uh, it, it looked like it was going to be a very slow offseason until then the things happened. Uh, and now I don't know what to think anymore. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm i I'm a drift in a sea of emotions. Let's talk about the things. How'd you feel about the Westbrook trade? <sighs> uh, it's not what I would have done, but it's also probably not what they would have done. If not for the fact that Russell Westbrook and James Harden both wanted Russell Westbrook to be on the Rockets. So I, I, I know why they did it. Uh, there's a real chance it'll be fine, but I'm, I'm not hopeful. Okay, so I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Is this the most polarizing move that Daryl Morey's ever done in his tenure as GM? Within the fan base, yes. 
See, like, I feel like the opposite. Like, I feel like within the fan base, I feel maybe it's just me. Like, I, I'm not too deep into the webs here, but I look from an, from the outside, it seems like the fans have bought in, and within the media, it feels polarized. Mm-hmm. Am I am I wrong there? Like, do you feel like fans are divided on this? I, I mean, maybe it's because I'm on the other side of that divide, and uh, I see me and a few others who are there. So maybe there's just only a few of us. Maybe most fans have all bought in and think this is going to be great. Uh, and I'm just one of like eight people who is being a worry word about it. Yeah, it, it, it's been weird because again, like this, this does not breathe as a Daryl Morey move. Like, like I think if you ask ten people whether or not you could see this specific general manager making this specific trade, I think I feel like eight of those people would be like, "Nah, you're, you're kidding." Like, no, that's that's not. Yeah, there's no way to do it. Yeah, yeah the, like four first round would technically two first round picks. Two pick swaps, like no, like even with all those protections, didn't read like something the Rockets would do, uh, and it didn't read like a player that they would trade for. You just never figured they'd have the gall to pull this kind of a trigger, um, but they did. They did, and it, it, it's it's really really tough to analyze how they're going to look next season. It was really fun also to see people arguing in the moment over which contract is worse between the two of them, Chris Paul and uh, and Russell Westbrook. Let's talk about some news. Let's talk about some news. Uh, Eric Gordon extended with the Rockets. Four years, $75.6 million. That fourth year is non-guaranteed, but it becomes guaranteed if he makes an all-star team, which probably isn't going to happen on this specific team with James Harden and Russell Westbrook eating up most of the minutes, or if the Rockets win a championship. <laughs> what an incredible like condition on that on that contract. Yeah. I first thought that provision was bizarre, and then I remembered that the 76ers put similar language into like the Al Horford's contract, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Like After you win a championship, financial flexibility goes out the window, and at that point, it doesn't really matter what price you paid for that roster. It be- all of it becomes worth it, right? Like it, That's kind of the mindset, right? Like, like that, That's why the, the Cavs overpaid to keep Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith, right? Like, they just won a championship. That's what you got to do. That's that's the move, and like I I in that respect that that provision makes a lot of sense. So his current contract ends next season, meaning he'll be under contract uh, with the team for at least the next four seasons. That'll take him to age thirty four. If he get, if he hits one of those provisions, which he's not gonna he's not gonna make an all star team. There's a chance the Rockets win a championship. He'll be getting twenty million dollars at age thirty five. What do you think of that deal for Gordon? I mean, I I think I'm uh, in the same boat with most Rockets fans and very few non-Rockets fans, it seems, in saying it. This is great. This is what they want for him. Uh, this is starter money, and he's a starter, so perfect. And then they have the the majority of the score. They have Harden, Westbrook, Capella, and Gordon all locked in long term, so they have that stability going on. I think it's fantastic. I just wish they also had an extension going on for uh, for Mike D'Antoni, and then everything would be, I don't know, if if not, like, excellent, definitely stable and uh, easy to live with. Isn't it funny how the Rockets made this major, major move, and at the same time they're bringing back, like, 77% of the minutes they played last season? Like, they, they really brought back the essentially the entire core minus Chris Paul. Like, as you said... Chris, Chris Paul, oh not Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, like all those guys are going to be under contract with the Rockets for at least the next three seasons, and 
it seems like the Rockets are going to go ahead and roll with this group, at least until next summer, at least until it proves otherwise. Like, I feel like this continuity, like, at least when you talk about the surrounding cast of players, is going to serve them well going into next season. Yeah, I think uh, that it, that's a good idea to build on what they had instead of trying to totally retool everything, which is funny because they managed to like make a big star trade without retooling somehow, which is not a thing that usually happens during off season. So yeah, considering it was like one player, right? Like like normally it's like yeah. you trade like four or five players for the star player, but they literally flipped one contract. Yeah, that never happens. That's incredibly right. rare. Yeah. <laughs> so the player for player trade that gets talked about among fans, but never actually happens. See, I, I like it. Uh, I hope that Eric Gordon gets his money, and I have to say, I think it's kind of a a weirdly brilliant thing for management to do to say, "Hey, look, we'll give you that fourth year. All you got to do is get in, get into an All Star game or help us win a championship. Are you going to tell us you're not going to do those things?" Well, see. Where that provision gets really interesting is if he gets traded to the Eastern Conference. It's been something I've been thinking about. So if if Eric Gordon gets traded to the Eastern Conference, there is a non-zero chance that that provision actually becomes like a, a thing to, to watch for. Now in the Western Conference, it's like it's, it's not happening. Like just forget about it. Like Eric Gordon's not making an All Star team. Like he's a he's a really really solid player, but he's the third player on this roster. Even if he gets traded to another another roster in the Western Conference, he's not going to make the All Star team. There's just too many quality guards ahead of him. But if he gets traded to the to the Eastern Conference, like Kyle Kyle Lowry's aging out. Like I guess Ben Simmons is a guard. Like like if you look at the <laughs> at the landscape of the Eastern Conference, it's pretty barren in terms of guard play. And then that provision becomes pretty interesting. But you're right. Like that second provision, it, it, it makes a lot of sense if you're Houston because again, if you win a championship, you bite the bullet. You don't care. You don't care what price you paid for the roster. You don't care about tacking on another $20 million because it becomes worth it. All of it becomes worth it. Um, so, honestly, I'm not mad at this deal at all. For a player of his caliber, it seems like fair value. He's a good defender, a good shooter. He's fought off his early season injury, his early career injury bug. So, I I, I think he's going to age pretty well as a player. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's a pretty good deal. I think it's a pretty good deal for both sides. Well, he's a guy who can shoot, and you always want those. Yeah, and more importantly, it's it's something you don't have to worry about next summer, right? This was going to be something, somewhat of a storyline going into next summer, like because obviously the Rockets weren't going to trade him midseason, so th- this was going to be a high caliber player for you that was going to become a free agent, and the fact that you locked him up is just something you don't have to worry about next summer. Yeah, it, it helps towards. Uh creating a situation next season that we always don't like when it comes around, which is the legendary boring off season. You always want next off season to be boring because you want to set it up. So everything is already taken care of. You have your guys locked down and all you're doing is like shopping for guys around the edges because you have the core you want. Uh, So every summer we want it to be interesting, but every summer we also want next year to be boring. Yeah. And even if it's not a boring off season for the Rockets, everything is in team control. Like if they really yeah. do choose to blow it up, they you know they they control what they want to do. Let's talk about Nene. So after opting out of his contract and reportedly considering retirement, Nene resigned with the Rockets this week for what is assumed to be a minimum deal. We still we're still not sure what that number is, but uh, he's about to turn uh, thirty-seven. The Rockets already signed Tyson Tyson Chandler. One would think this means the Rockets are going to probably rotate the two at backup center depending on availability. Because as as we know, like Nene is uh, 
and he's pretty famous for taking games off because of his age and because of the rock the the stringent rest schedule that they put him on. Um, and you know, he, you know, you get the occasional injury here and there. So he, he's he's a forty game a year kind of player. So it, it kind of makes sense to play these two. Like by committee at backup center. Like I, I like the idea of the Rockets. Like you know what? Like we're not gonna get, we're not gonna get eighty two games at the backup center position. So we're gonna split the two, uh, w- between these two capable backup centers. Like th- they're certainly not starter caliber centers, but like for a backup, like Tyson Chandler Nene, it's that's it, pretty fitting. That's a pretty that's a pretty fitting backup thing. And it's kind of like what the, what the Rockets did a few years ago with Nene and Tariq Black, but this time with Chandler. Yeah, I've seen some people saying that this looks like a loyalty signing, that he's probably just going to chill on the bench and be a locker room guy, which I'm sure he'll do plenty of that. But to, I get the same read you did, which is that Tyson Chandler is also ancient. Like These two guys are going to need games off, and to having two dudes that you can trust for like 10 minutes a game, definitely. like For 20 minutes a game, these guys are both the maybe. For 10 minutes a game, yeah, they can get in there and do some stuff. So having two of them is totally fine. That I think that is a, a great signing for them so they can have a, another vet that they can count on for a few minutes every game. I like it. Uh, I like Nene. I'm glad he's still around. This is a nice feel-good signing that has no downsides, if you ask me. Yeah, and uh, these these two are the kind of players that do really well off of rest days, right? So like, if, if, you, get, if you get to see Nene off of like five days of rest, like he looks pretty springy, looks really good. Same thing with someone like Tyson Chandler, right? So like like the idea of a rotating rest schedule at backup center makes a lot of sense for these two particular players. Yeah, they've still got it in short bursts, as long as those short bursts have some days right. in between. And, and Clint Capella, as you said, is probably going to take up like 80% of the minutes. He's going to play 35 minutes a night, so that leaves like thir- like 10 to 13 minutes a, g- a game at backup center. And P.J. Tucker is going to be playing backup yeah, center. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, P.J. is going to play center for probably 10 minutes a game at least, so there's they they will not be overtaxed, I think. The center rotation actually is pretty okay Probably we'll see how it plays out, but right now there's plenty of bodies for that for those minutes. So let's talk about next season because I have conflicting thoughts on how the Rockets are going to do next season. Because I actually think, looking at their roster, they're going to be a really awesome regular season team. Like, like I think this team is going to rack up wins in the regular season. Like, I think, I, like I have them down. Like, I put out my season preview column, and I, I had them down for 54 wins, which is, which in this Western Conference is going to be a lot because this Western Conference is going to beat the hell out of each other. And I think 54 might be good enough for a top two or three seed. Like, I really do. I, th- I think I think it's going to be like a 45-game, 45 to 47-game mark to get into the Western Conference. And I feel like the difference between the, the third and the sixth seed is going to be like two or three games. Like, I feel like... If the Rockets can stay within that fifty-four to fifty-six game threshold of wins, like I think they're going to be in strong home court advantage position. I'll say this: I wouldn't be surprised if the number one seed out west wins fifty-five games and the number eight seed wins forty-nine. That's the kind of thing that could happen this season. It is a weird, it is a weird, hard to predict Western Conference with a lot of teams that look legitimate. Yeah, and I talked about this on my last podcast with Matt Moore. Like, I, like ten teams are going to be vying for eight playoff positions. Like, it, it, it's it's truly one of the most competitive Western conferences we've had in a couple of years. Like, it, it's going to be an, an absolute bloodbath. And I, I'm looking at this roster and like, like Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, 
Clint Capella, James Harden, like th- that's good enough for fifty games. Like it just is. Like as a baseline, like James Harden has shown us year after year after year in the regular season. If you just give him decent role players, if you give him good help, not it doesn't have to be great. If you just give him good help, he's gonna get you to fifty wins. And if, if I think the Rockets are gonna be better defensively this year because they're not starting off with the same uh, crapola of role players they had last year. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 they had, they had such a hodgepodge of gambles last year in in Michael Carter Williams, Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, like a lot of bad defenders and the, the they managed to you know scrape it out and get to the 17th seed largely because of what they did mid-season with bringing back Daniel House and and, and getting Austin Rivers like I, and I feel like starting the year with those guys, starting the year with Daniel House and Austin Rivers is going to serve them well. I think they're going to be Somewhere between ten to fifteen defensively. That's the hope. I mean, they should have enough offensive punch uh, to get pretty far. <laughs> One of the best arguments to me for why the Rockets are probably going to do this well is because they uh, they kind of got embarrassed at a lot of points last season, and they they seem to respond very well to getting embarrassed historically. Yeah, yeah, and. One guy, I, I I have him circled on a piece of paper right now because I'm thinking about writing about him. I th- I think Clint Capella is gonna have a monster year. I really he do. Like he's just took he just took a ton of <laughs> over the past six months. Did you read the story that Kelly Eco wrote uh, about how these guys after uh, the Rockets got eliminated in Game Six with the, against the Warriors, uh, people like graffitied or like they tampered with his car. Like they messed up his oh, car. Oh boy! Yeah, I like, didn't see that. That's that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, 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 they they scratched up his car, messed it up, and Clint Capella came back and looked at his car, and it was it was all messed up. And like, like that's just like a small bit of the kind of crap he's he's been dealing with the past few months. Like he's he did not have a very good series against the Warriors. Uh, he did not have a very good playoffs overall. It was just a, a down playoffs for him after a strong performance in 2018, 2019, not so good. Um, and defensively, he wasn't as strong last season. He just on switches. He got, he got killed. I remember a game where, uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard were literally searching him out. And this like, I, like a few games after they did this, the Rockets completely stopped switching Capella completely. Like they just kept him next to the rim. Like, no, you're not going to switch anymore. And um, that's the kind of stuff that, that the Rockets had to deal with last year with Capella because he just seemed a step slow. And I don't know. I I feel like like no one's really talking about Capella because you know there's he just had such a disappointing playoffs. But he's still just 25 years old. I think he's the kind of guy who will make or break their season. And I, I, I think he's due for a, a bit of a bounce back this year. I, and people are kind of overlooking that he's still just 25. Like 25 is such a young age in the NBA, and he—I I don't, I don't even think he's hit his prime yet. Like I, I feel like he he's has like one extra gear to reach, and I think if he if he reaches that gear, the Rockets are due for some really good success next season. Yeah, uh, that's kind of where I'm at, which is that I have I have no idea what's going to happen with them. They have a a huge variety of things that could occur. I they might be really good in regular season. Uh, they have all the ingredients for it. I, I still have a. I still am wary of a team focusing on Russell Westbrook. I think that how much what the Russell Westbrook and James Harden dynamic looks like 
is going to determine a lot of what happens with this team. I mean, Russell Westbrook and Paul George couldn't break 48 wins together. This isn't that team, though, and if it seems like I'm throwing shade on the Oklahoma City Thunder, then that's fine. I don't care if I am. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that raises the question, right? If, if a guy that's talented, you put him with, with you know, a guy like Paul George, who's extremely talented as well, and they can't break 50 wins, that, that raises questions. Uh, I think that they will be able to break 50 wins. I mean, James Harden by himself seems to be a 50-win type of guy. Uh, but we don't know how you know how much the team is going to feature him and Westbrook and how they're going to do it. There are a lot of questions about what the interaction is going to be like uh, and how much both these guys are going to adapt their games to to institute the other one into the team system. So I think if if they're both willing to, as the cliche goes, sacrifice for the good of the team, we could see some really good stuff happen. But if you know Russell Westbrook's going to go out there and just jack up threes a lot, then mm, anything's on the table. When I talked to Matt last month, it seemed like he believes that Russ is due for a bounce back year. And I thought that was interesting because if you look at all of his shooting percentages last year, they were career lows, like all across the board. He was one of the worst um, shooters for a star player in NBA history. Like, like In terms of the kind of season he had last year, he was shooting like 20-something percent from three. And like that was on like plus attempts per game. Like He was shooting entirely too many. And he was finishing at the rim pretty well, but the the dependable mid-range jumper that he had developed over the past few years just weren't going in. And the free throw rates were, were, were just really bizarre. Like, if you look at his free throw percentages, they were completely off. And uh, he, he believes he's due for a bounce-back season of sorts, of some sort. So if that happens, that really makes or breaks what kind of seat the Rockets have. And... I I honestly don't know what to expect from Russ and Harden as a duo. I I've said before that these guys have to make strong strong sacrifices for this to work. In the regular season, I expect them to 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 scrape out and to scrape by and get 50, 50 plus wins because James Harden's just that good. Like a lot of why I'm I'm optimistic about the Rockets is. James Harden is just that good. Like it, it seems like such a stupid thing to say, but he's when you have him on your team, he's just a steady bedrock. Like he he keeps your floor so unbelievably high that it's so easy to buy in on the Rockets any, on any given year, right? Like other than that one year where they just kind of threw up on each other, like that that they they are so dependably over 50 games year after year after year because of Harden. So I, I I think even with this new dynamic with Russ, I still think they're going to win 50 games. Now, whether or not they make that go into the 55, 56, you know, all the way up into the 60, 60 territory in terms of win projections, like that, that's really what's going to, like, that's where Russ comes into play. If he has a nice season alongside Harden and if those guys make the sacrifices they, the sacrifices they need to make then the Rockets could look like something truly otherworldly and scary because I like the, their surrounding cast is is just that good like they have, they have a really good supporting cast around them and I, I assume they're going to try and build upon that in the regular season as they always usually do uh, and try to find guys in the buyout market but whatever the case like their supporting cast is pretty reliable and I think that James Harden alone will drive them to 50-plus wins. Whether or not Russ works is what drives them even further than that. And in the postseason, that's what I'm interested in because like, teams can scheme this team a lot easier than they can scheme a team with Chris Paul 
because this fl- the floor spacing is really that pre- pre- prevalent. Like if if Russ doesn't shoot like thirty two to thirty three percent from three this year, the Rockets are really screwed for fl- for floor spacing. They're gonna have to cobble together some bizarre lineups. Perhaps play PJ Tucker at center more than they usually do, and it's gonna be tough. But if Russ can have that bounce back season, if the and, and if if Harden can make those necessary sacrifices, and what, what I mean by sacrifices is he has to be ready to play without the basketball in his hands. Like that's something Harden hasn't been able to do these past couple of seasons. He, if you see him without the ball, and and I wrote about this a couple months ago, like he'll be he'll often be like at the half court line, kind of disengaged from the play, and that kind of crap has to go away. If if he wants to make this partnership work, like he has to be ready to catch and shoot and cut. Those those things need to be in his arsenal, and, and and then it makes the Rockets a much deadlier team. Yeah, of all things Russell Westbrook does, getting to the rim is the thing that is probably the most uh, you know unarguable. He is excellent at that, and uh, if they can work with that, that'll be good. I think the biggest reason for hope is that these two guys really seem to want to play together. They seem very right. happy to play together, and, and that's that can important. go a long way. Right. Yeah, right, and. And I'm glad you mentioned the point. The point about him getting to the rim, like, like in transition, Russ is like you're not going to find ten players better than Russell Westbrook. Like, I, I, he is one of the tr- best transition players in the NBA, and he, in that respect, he's going to help the Rockets a lot. Like the Rockets, uh, as an offense, had grown a little bit stagnant. They'd become a little bit predictable. It'd become a half court, slow paced, uh, you know, give the ball to James Harden and let him figure it out, and not and. Largely, that's pretty dependable. <laughs> like, uh, ironically, that that gets you a top five offense. But if the Rockets want to be like otherworldly and indefensible, like having wrinkles like transition offense are important. And I I think he's going to help in that respect. I think rebounding he can help in that respect because he he, he is one of the better rebounders at the point guard position. So he's going to help the Rockets in a couple key areas. These other key areas that I was talking about are, are still important, like the floor spacing, the what he does without the basketball in his hands, like that that kind of stuff is why I'm concerned. Uh, I think another thing to look forward to would be any time that Russ and uh, Clint Capella get down the floor in transition, that's a good thing. Those two guys can get across that court pretty quickly, and I think that there might be some good chemistry there. We'll have to see, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd like to see more of the transition game uh, when this team can move quickly, which I think they have the ability to move quickly a bit more now, especially because Chris Paul was a slower a slower guy setting the tone. Uh, we might we might see some of that fast, you know, that that uh, high speed fast break offense that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. So, what do you think about Daniel House? Because going into next season, he's also going to be another key guy for the Rockets. Uh, the Rockets are going to put a lot on his plate. Like as of this moment, he is probably one of these. Like, is it crazy to say he's one of the seven most important players for the Rockets next season? Is that is that is that a crazy statement? Hey, it's his fault for showing a lot last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like he's gonna have to do a lot. He might start. Like that's crazy to say, but he might start for the Rockets next season. Like Eric Gordon might come off the bench to make this happen. And if he starts, like that, that's something we have to talk about right now, man. Like. Like, does Daniel House add a new dynamic to this team? Like, do, like, like defensively, offensively, like, d- does he present something that the Rockets haven't had in the past? Because you look at what he brought to the the Rockets last year, he's obviously a very springy, very bouncy guy. But, I mean, 
the the floor spacing got a lot better. Like he shot forty percent from three, like with the Rockets. Uh, defensively, he showed a lot of growth. I'm still not sure he's the level of defender that that maybe some fans like portray him out to be. But he's he's pretty solid. Like he's pretty above average. And, he's got tools. Yeah, like he definitely has the physical tools, and he can rotate laterally. So if he brings a different dynamic that the Rockets haven't had in terms of wings over the past couple of years, that's a big game changer. Like that's a having someone like a three tool player like that is is really important, especially come playoff time. And if the Rockets found that guy for an for a three million dollars a year, that's that's a hell of a steal. And it's he's definitely someone I have circled to watch like heavily next season because the Rockets are banking on him. Like he is definitely someone that they believe is going to be one of their core players next year. And that's someone that Mike D'Antoni put a lot of trust into last year. Like he played 25 plus minutes a game. He's going to have to show us some stuff. He, he did last year and then he kind of fell apart in the playoffs and a bunch of, you know, a lot of stuff happened too. You know, there was the whole thing of his contract, which isn't going to be an issue this season. Uh, but he's a kind of a classic like home fan favorite type guy. He he's a guy that that people who watch him, aka Rockets fans, are going to be very excited about. But the rest of the people in the league, you know, the rest of the the, the commentary and fans up there are going to say, well, he seems okay. But you guys are probably kind of high on him. And who he ends up like uh, vindicating is going to be very important for the team. Because he's probably not as good as we all think he is, but he's also probably not as not good as everyone else thinks he is. And the closer he gets to showing that promise we're hoping, the better. That'll make a huge difference. As it is, most people are kind of baking in that he's just going to be like a mediocre rotation guy, which might be the case. But if he is, that's going to that's gonna be tough. Uh, and if he, can, if he can show a lot more, then everyone's guesses on how good this team is are going to come in on the under, honestly. If if I were to ask you today, so September eighth, where do you see the Rockets falling in the Western Conference, and how many wins do you see them getting? I've I've already said mine's like I I think they're going to win fifty four games, and I think they're going to be the second seed behind the Clippers. I think they're going to be really really good. I think the Clippers are a little bit better than them, but I still think the Rockets are really really good. Where do you see them falling in this Western Conference? I guess I just want to add. I'll just average out all the various like scenarios that are running through my head and say in the middle of it, which is funny because I don't actually think this is going to happen, but it's like in between all the things I think could happen, which is probably about 52 games and like the four or five seed. No, see, like for a second, I forgot that Westbrook was on this roster and then I, then I I thought about your prediction. No, you're right. 52 wins is completely fair. Um, yeah, I mean, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. I mean, that that's a, a, about as good of a season preview you're going to get from us in in early September. Um, follow me on Twitter at Somali NBA. Follow you. Follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Not. How do you spell that, Forrest? D U N O T S. And yeah, guys, good night. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you 
can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.